welcome to the All Saints Podcast. We began this podcast by bringing you the sermons from the 10 a.m. service on Sunday mornings. With the ongoing orders to stay home and continue to socially distance, we're now bringing you the homilies that Father Ed has been recording in locations all around where he is staying. It has been a difficult time for many of us and for our church, but I hope that listening to these homilies as they are produced on location can bring a bit of comfort to us all. As you'll hear from this week's homily, recorded outside, there's a bit of background noise that may make it a bit hard to hear, but I hope you find, as I do, that the message comes through loud and clear. So now, a homily for Sunday, May 10th, 2020. A lot of people these days are afraid. They're filled with anxiety and fear and worry. But Jesus comes today and tells us something to lift our hearts, especially about the ultimate worry. He says to us in the 14th chapter of John's Gospel, Do not be afraid, or do not let your hearts be troubled, or do not be anxious or worrisome, or however your translation of the Bible may read. And he tells us that because he doesn't want us to live in fear or worry or anxiety, but to live in him. The entire underscoring message of the Bible is do not be afraid. From the beginning to the end, God is telling us don't be afraid. And as we speak of so many times in church, any time we see a verse, and there are hundreds of them, any time we see a verse that says, do not be afraid, anxious, worried, fearful, whatever it may be, the verse before or the verse after or even that verse itself gives us the reason, and the reason is always God. He says, do not be afraid because I love you, I'm with you, I care for you, I protect you, I provide a place for you, or whatever it may be, he is always the reason he gives not to be afraid, worried, anxious, or anything of that sort. Today, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And what he means by that is that he's there with us for the very next line, just as we always say it is. He says, believe in the Father, believe also in me. As if believing in the Father and believing him are the answers and the cures to all worries, and indeed they are. Someone once said that being afraid of tomorrow doesn't stop the death of tomorrow, but instead it steals the life of today. And being worried about tomorrow doesn't stop the troubles of tomorrow. Instead, it steals the peace of mind of today. So we could see that fear and worry are nothing that help us, but they steal our very lives. Now when Jesus tells us, do not be worried, do not be anxious or afraid, believe in the Father and believe in him, he goes on to address the greatest fear of all that we have, the fear of death and what happens thereafter. Some people fear death as the very end itself. Some people fear hell. Others fear just the whole experience of it. In any event, he says, do not be afraid. He said, I go and I prepare a place for you. Now, when we hear that Jesus says, do not be afraid, for I'm going to prepare a place for you, he's talking about how he prepares by dying on the cross, by rising on Easter morning, by all the things he does after Easter in heaven and through the Holy Spirit here with us on earth. He talks about how we should not be afraid because of him. He says that his father has a house, that house we know to be heaven. And he says in that house are many dwelling places, many rooms, sometimes many abodes, in some translations even many mansions, many mansions. Now we need to come to grips with what all that means. The idea of mansions may mean something different than the ordinary usage. And if you look behind me, you see a huge house in the distance, one that I'm told has maybe 30 or 40 rooms in it. Let's go take a closer look and see if we get some perspective on what a mansion might really be in God's definition. 
when Jesus says in that 14th chapter of John's Gospel that there's going to be a mansion for us, at least in some translations, many of us would picture something that looks like this. The front side of that one I was showing you from the bottom of the hill. A place with 30 or 40 rooms, grand and spectacular in every measure. But the truth is that there's something different going on, something different intended. And Jesus was teaching in a way that people might understand. For the Apostle Paul teaches us in 2 Corinthians in the 5th chapter that mansions may mean something wholly different. He explains that our dwelling in heaven, our eternal dwelling, will take place in the glorified bodies that we are given by God. That it's going to happen in something that is altogether not made of human hands, but by divine will and divine creation. And that when we have these bodies, these glorified bodies, that come after our death, one of the reasons Jesus says don't be afraid, they're going to replace the earthly tents we've been given. We've lived in canvas tents, he says, so to speak. And those things are shredded and old and tossed away. And instead we're provided an imagery of something that could be a mansion, but of course is intended to be the bodies that we live in, in glory with God forever. In the first epistle to the Corinthians, in the third chapter, in the 16th verse, Paul goes on to give flesh to this imagery. He tells us that our bodies, our souls, our hearts are temples for God. That these temples for God are to be filled with grace and holiness and goodness. He goes on to tell us that to make sure that happens, the Holy Spirit of God indwells our beings permanently. Not just for a bit, not just when we're good, but the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us. And if we live in Christ, the Spirit makes much of our lives here on earth. It makes me think that if my mansion is what's inside of me, what's in my heart, the space I allow for God, then what's really true is that the mansion is within me. I do not live within the mansion. It is something that's encompassed within my very being, my soul. And everything's backwards in heaven, just like Jesus said. You could be first by being the last. The greatest is among the least. He's the Alpha and he's the Omega. And we understand that once again, this idea of a mansion is not something that is around us, or, or that we are within, but rather that it is within us. If we have but a small place for God, our lives seem puny. That doesn't mean that you're not going to heaven, but it reflects poorly on how we live, I would say. We should be grateful in all things for what God does for us. One man died and went to heaven, a joke tells us. And when he gets there, the angel shows him his eternal habitation. And of course, they're talking about something that's built, and not what I just explained about being in the heart and the soul. And he gives the man a shack. The man's outraged, and he argues with the angels, and he says, Why do I get a shack? I heard I was getting a mansion. The angel said, I'm sorry, sir, but we tried to do the best with what little bit you gave us. And that's how it is with our lives sometimes. We give God the least and the last of what we have, but yet we expect the very best from him. We should always give him the very best indeed. And why would we need a mansion that's made of hands, a mansion that looks like the house behind me, or anything that's great and grand and glorious? For indeed, we're not going to need kitchens. We're going to have banquets with God. There'll be banquets everywhere. You're not going to need bathrooms and those sorts of things for sure. You're surely not going to need closets because you won't need possessions. There'll be no thieves because thieves are not going to come around. There's nothing to steal anyway, and people like that are not going to have that heart in heaven. There's not going to be any rain, no storms, no hurricanes, no coronavirus, nothing like that for us to worry about. In fact, there's not even going to be any darkness. For the light of heaven will come from God himself. There's no need for a sun. There's no need for a moon. We have the Lord God himself, who is our light in all things when we get there. So we can see that what Jesus is telling us is that heaven is grand and glorious. 
and that what we're given is something we should be deeply grateful for. There's another story about something else that helps us, helps us to understand how Jesus, by his grace, gives us all these things, and nothing is earned, not giving money, not anything. It's a story of a man who was trying to sell his home, and his home was ramshackled and messed up, not because he was poor so much as he was just kind of cheap and didn't take care of it. All of a sudden, one day, along comes this very wealthy man, a big industrialist, and said he wants to give a huge price for this guy's house, a really outstanding price. And the man's giggling because he thinks he's going to make a big profit. And the industrialist says, I'll come back in a couple of months and talk to you. The homeowner uses that couple of months to fix up his house. He paints it up. He replaces the carpeting. He does some kitchen cabinetry, cuts the lawn, plants some shrubs, does everything he can to try to drum up the price and think he's going to win a big price when the man comes back. Sure enough, the industrialist comes back and says, I will buy your house. And the man says, great. He said, you may want to give me more for it. Look what I've done. I've fixed it up. The man said, no, I'll give you the same price, but understand this. I'm going to tear the house down. And at that point, the homeowner's confused. He said, you're going to buy my house to tear it down? He said, yes. All I really want is the location. I want your site. That's what's valuable here. Your house is beat up and torn up, and I'm just going to get rid of it. Well, that kind of a shocking ending perplexes us. Yet that is exactly what God is doing for you and for me. He doesn't want my body, so to speak. He wants my sight, my location, my soul, my heart. For he plans to build on it, to build a new and glorified body, a mansion, as Jesus describes it, that will be an eternal habitation for me and for you and all of the glory of God. Can you believe what God is planning for us, how much he's giving us? It's for that reason that we go right back to the very beginning, the first verse of the whole chapter, where Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And why should we be troubled? If he gives us comfort and courage in this lifetime, we can then turn even more to the fact that he gives us eternal life, glorified bodies, and a mansion within our hearts to live forever and ever. Amen. So God bless you as you go from this week to the next. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Remember that your fear of death is not going to stop death tomorrow, but simply steal your life today. Your worry today will not prevent troubles tomorrow, but will instead steal your peace of mind today. And with that, our Lord gives us a great lesson, not only how to live here, but how not to worry about what comes in the life hereafter. God bless you, and amen. Thank you again for listening to the All Saints Podcast. I hope you'll continue to download future episodes. You can subscribe and have the episodes delivered automatically each week by going to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and clicking subscribe. We'll be back next week with a new homily. And until then, please be well, stay safe, and God bless.